welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome to this session on uh, amends. My name is uh, Bill, and I'm a recovered uh, sexaholic. Hey, Bill. I will be uh, facilitating this session, and I'm joined by... Brad M., sexaholic. Hey, Brad. Each of us will share our recovery on this topic. Then we will take time to answer questions. Questions will be taken from the Ask It basket. If you wish to participate, uh, please write your question on one of these uh, 3x5 index cards. Place it back here on the table. Uh, If you do write a question, please return the pen to the table as well. In addition, if we have any uh, questions from people from the live stream, they'll be providing that to us uh, in written format as well. Um, in the spirit of the uh, fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded uh, session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones now. And let's open with the uh, serenity prayer. Prayer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Okay. Okay, my name is Brad. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Brad. Everybody, my sobriety date is October 28th, 2009, and that's a day I hope I never forget. The essay purpose, Sexaholics Anonymous, is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for essay membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. Essay is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others achieve sexual sobriety. Uh, this session is, uh, deals with amends. I think it's called, we're talking about direct amends, indirect amends, living amends, and any other form of amends you can think of. I thought I might share with just a little bit of uh, information about Music City USA. Here we are in Nashville, the home of country music. And I thought I would just share with you guys a couple of my favorite country music song titles. They really don't have much to do with the men's, but I thought it might be useful at this time of day. Uh, Song title number one, Her teeth were stained, but her heart was pure. Uh, Number two, How can I miss you if you won't go away? (laughs) If I can't be number one in your life, then number two on you. (laughs) If If my... Hey, I didn't write these things. I'm just sharing them. If my nose... This is for you, Steve. If my nose were full of nickels, I'd blow it all on you. All right. So anyway, there's plenty of those. And we'll, sh- we'll stop there, though. So my experience with the men's, I've heard people say, you know, this step is where I really had the spiritual breakthrough. This is where I really began to feel alive. This is where I really felt connected with the program. Step three, step five, various You'll hear different people say different things. I believe for me, uh, steps eight and nine is where I really had the spiritual awakening and the connection uh, 
uh, it became real for me right there. That's when it became real for me. A couple of things that amends are not, in my opinion. Amends are not disclosure. A disclosure, in my opinion, is a giving of information. For me, amends is seeking information. And what I mean by that is I'm looking for what's the damage and what's it going to take to correct the damage. That's what an amend is for me. So those two things are different. Amends is not owning my part. And a lot of people talk about, I need to find my part. Well, let me show you what my part looks like. If this is my part and their part, there's my part. There's their part. I'm not looking for my part. On page 67, the book tells us, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is part of our program approved literature, says, putting out of our minds entirely, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. So this is a process of self-awareness, self-identification. Where is the damage? What can I do to make it right? Um, So amends are correcting the harms of the past, and they start with the list. And I love what Roy says in the White Book about the list. We always had the list. We always knew who was on the list. And we had some vague understanding of what had happened, what needed to be corrected. Amends are also, the real purpose of the amends is stated very clearly, page 77. At the moment, we're trying to put our lives in order. But this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be a maximum service to God and the people about us. And what's really interesting to me about that is, how is going around to all the people I've harmed and making amends teaching me to be of service to God and others? Well, that's exactly where I learn to be of service. That's the exercising. That's the the stretching of who I am. What I always tried to do was avoid the harms that I had done. Maybe gaslight someone. Maybe make them think they were responsible for whatever happened. Not me. But here, you guys are telling me, okay, Brad, it's time to stand up in front of your the harms, your mistakes, own them, and make them right. And I had a really good sponsor in, in working through my amends and learning to make amends. And I will say this, these steps are a whole lot about willingness. You can't do amends without willingness. And in my case, it was primarily my sponsor's willingness. And very mostly his, not a little bit of mine. Because this is kind of how the way it worked for us. We'd meet at the Mexican restaurant. He loved to have Mexican food and work steps. I don't know what the two have to do with each other. But that's where we met. And we were, I was on step eight, and I had my list, and he asked me, did you have your list? And I said, yeah. He says, well, who's first? And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to get out of this. <laughs> There's nowhere to hide. I said, well, I think it's probably my uncle. He says, well, when are you going to see him? He was kind of direct in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I don't have an appointment. He said, well, let's get in touch with him right now. And I said, well, I've only got three phone numbers. He said, well, let's call him and see to, see if we can catch him. So I called my uncle the very first number, phone, first call, hello. You know, that, and it wasn't a voice, voicemail. And I told my uncle I, I, I wish I could come out. I just made a chance, time to go see him. What had happened is pro- approximately 30, some odd, 32 years prior, I had lied to my uncle. He was in a disciplinary position 
at an institution I was in, in, uh, attending. He was the dean of students at the college I attended. And there was some rumor that going around that I had allegedly engaged in some inappropriate uh, behavior of the marijuana uh, variety. He called me in. He says, Brad, is this true? And I said, of course not. It didn't take me one second to know what to do in that situation. Lie. And I did lie. And, and that had haunted me for 30 plus years. And I knew that was an amend I needed to make. So I go to my uncle's house. Kind, godly, spiritual man. Seeking God all of his life. And I sat down to him and I said, Uncle, I said, I lied to you 30 plus years ago. He said, I know. And I said, well, what can I do to make it right? Because that was the question I was taught to ask. What can I do to make it right? I harmed you. I lied. I was dishonest. I cheated. I stole. I, I, I betrayed your trust. Whatever it is I did, that's what I stated to my, my per, the person I owed the amends to. And I said, I lied to you. And what can I do to make it right? And I really thought he was going to say, well, come to the college and meet with all of the classes and talk about the harmful effects of, of drugs. But he didn't do that. He just said, it's already forgiven. He had forgiven me 30 plus when the thing happened. He was that kind of guy. My ego wanted to make a big deal out of the thing. He said, you're already forgiven. And then something wonderful happens where the book talks about most of the time, nine times out of ten, we have this wonderful experience. That's exactly what happened. He proceeded to download to me his spiritual experience, his spiritual understanding of life. He gave me about an hour of his time and just it all came. And so what had happened is he and I became I was willing to make that amend. The the wall between us, which I had built up, came down. And so now all of that fear all that resentment I had towards him, gone. There's no place for it. It's gone. That's healing. That's freedom. That's what this step has to offer. I made an amend to my son's mother-in-law. Not my mother-in-law. His mother-in-law. And I remember that night, I'm driving out to their house. She's, she's remarried. And so I'm driving out to her house and her husband thinking the whole time, I don't have to go through with this. I could turn around right now. I don't have to do this. There's nobody making me. But then I remember that sponsor and that Mexican food and that answer I'm going to have to give him. Did you go through with that amends and how'd it go? So I just kept driving. And I got to their house and I told him, I said, you know, there was a problem between us. And she said, yeah. And I said, that was me and that was wrong. And I'd like to know what I can do to make it right. She said, just love your son. Love my daughter. Love those grandkids that are on the way. She, she didn't badger me or beat me up. I just listened. I said, I'm willing to listen to anything you have to say about it. She did. Once again, it was a spiritual moment. I made amends to my wife. I mean, I don't really know how to talk about amends except to just tell you what my experience is. There's not a whole lot of theory theory behind this. This is into action stuff. This is get it done stuff. So I make amends to my wife and I waited until we were at the dinner table. She had a big bite of something. And I said, honey, you know, I haven't been the kind of husband I wanted to be. I've done a lot of things to harm you. I betrayed our, our vows. And 
she looked at me. She said, are you trying to make amends to me? She's, she's pretty good. She's pretty quick. And uh, I said, yeah, I am. And she says, well, let me think about that. And she took another bite of her dinner. And my thought was, my God, here I am pouring out my heart to you. And you want to think about it. So I had just said to her, I'm willing to listen to anything you have to say about it. And that put me on the spot because it was either was I going to be willing or was I going to go back to being that jerk that I was really good at being. Well, for some reason, I was willing to, to, to just let her think about it. And over time, weeks, day, months, days, years, she has told me over and over ways that I can make things right between us. We celebrated 40 years uh, last month. And don't don't clap for that because I was not there for the majority of it. But you know, she she tells me. The the big book talks about how we're like the farmer that went down in the, the storm cellar. And we come out and we look around and we go, wow, isn't it good the wind's not blowing? I know there was a tornado, but I don't know how powerful it was. And I really don't know what the damage was. That's why it's important for me to say, what can I do to make this right? I don't go to these people and say, hey, I did this, this, and this, and therefore I'm going to do this, this, and this to fix it. That's an ego proposition in my book. Now, there are occasions when God and my sponsor give me a... a good suggestion how to go about making an amends. I made an amends to an unborn child. A child that I helped choose to take away her life or his life. How do you do that? That's an indirect amends. But Scott and I, my sponsor, we sat down together. He gave me a pen. He gave me some paper. He said, write a letter to that, that, he said, did you ever know, did you ever have a thought, was it a boy or a girl? I said, I think it was a girl. <laughs> and he said, okay, write a letter to that girl, as if she were whatever age she was at the time. She would have been about 30. And uh, he said, if you happen to have any tears, put the pen down and do the crying. And I'm thinking, well, I've already resolved this. I've settled this in my mind. It's done. It's a done deal. And it went like this. And the pen went to the paper, and the tears just flowed. They, they just blah everywhere. And my sponsor sat. This was not at the Mexican restaurant. This was at his house. He sat quietly. He took his shoes off, if you know what that means. He was considering this holy ground, sacred. So we went through this sacred process, and I wrote that letter. And we took it out, and we burned it, and we sent it off to wherever it went to. Then he told me about, okay, now it's time to start making some good amends. And good amends are learning to say thank you to people I forgot to say thank you to. So I wrote a letter to my college professor that helped me get through uh, a bachelor's degree, and I thanked him. I, I took a letter to the cemetery and read to my grandma and grandpa, thanked them. I thanked my very first sponsor. I got, I got an opportunity to make them things right that I had left undone. In a, in a positive way. And this is learning, helping me learn to be useful and helpful and have a purpose in my life. You see, I don't believe that amends are, pain, are, are, are something to be avoided. I've heard people say, oh, I hate making amends. Well, I get that. But this is where I learn to be useful. I learn to be of service to others. What I've learned is I don't have to wait for something to be wrong in order to try to make something right. You know, if I'm driving down the road and the guy needs in, 
I can back off and let him in. When I go to the store on on holiday and there's somebody there working instead of home with their family celebrating, I can tell them, thank you for being here. I can say to the waitress, thank you for for being here on, on, on this afternoon when you could be at home with your family. I can make things right. I can say hello. I can add something to an issue or a question or a problem that helps make it right. I don't have to wait. So I've learned to become a maker of right in this process. That's one of the best things this program has ever given me. I've cleaned up the past the best I can. I've made these amends. These are just a few of the amends I've made. I made an amends to my dad. I said, Dad, I put up a wall between us long ago. I said, what can I do to make it right? He said, let's go out to dinner tonight. Let's build a relationship, a clean relationship with no secrets. And we started doing that a few years ago. I think the most important thing that I've learned about amends or what I believe about amends is that uh, I've done a little bit of amends making, but God to me is the greatest amends maker of all. God knows more about making things right than I'll ever know. He probably knows more than all of us know together. God knows how to make things right. My higher power is good at making things right. One of the things my higher power did was, when I was 10 years old, my grandpa got killed in a car wreck by a drunk driver. That drunk driver went to jail, but before he went to jail, he went to treatment, and he got sober. And when he came out of jail, he joined AA, and he came to my family members, and he made amends to my family members. To the point that my uncle, that spiritual guy I mentioned earlier, and that drunk driver um, went out to various worship places and places of worship and told stories about forgiveness together. There was another person involved in the accident. The person, that person was killed. His son preached that drunk driver's funeral. There was something made right that, I I mean, I can't even tell you how does that happen, you know? And I'm not the only one in here that's got that kind of story. I know that. And if you're thinking that can never get made right, just give God a little bit of time. (laughs) But those are the kinds of things that are happening in this world of amends. And I always look for my higher power, what's he got in store for me today? What's he going to do to make things right? And what can I do to be a maker of right? So that's some of my experience with amends. We'll give it over to Bill. Can't wait to hear what you got to say, Bill. I, thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. This is uh, a topic that uh, is uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, I, I'm gonna, I want to make a disclosure uh, that uh, uh, for the last uh, decade and a half, uh, I have uh, had the privilege of sitting in a uh, meeting uh, most every Sunday morning, not only with my sponsor, but with Brad and his sponsor, the man he was talking about who taught him about how to make amends. And I've learned a lot from his sponsor. I hope he's learned something from my sponsor. Uh, and, and, and the point I'm making is that, uh, uh, some of this, uh, uh, you're gonna, you're, it, you're, you're, it's, I'm gonna come at it from a little different way, but I want you to know the backstory, uh, of, of why it is that I'm quoting Scott's sponsor or using something I learned from Scott, uh, from, from Brad's sponsor, Scott, as well as from my sponsor, Rick. Uh, and uh, so the first thing I want to uh, read is from the White Book uh, because uh, we're uh, uh, 
presumably everybody in here is a sexaholic. <laughs> and uh, 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 well, I don't think that Roy was infallible. Um, I, I think that some of what he said that is uncomfortable to read and even more uncomfortable to do um, is uh, truth that he learned from some really wise people in AA. And so uh, uh, if this doesn't get you upset, then uh, good, good for you. There is always some way to make an amends, even when the injured person is dead, lost, or nameless. One can find those in need to whom to make, uh, to whom direct amends can be made. Of course, this should never take the place of direct amends wherever such are possible. I'm not sure exactly what Roy meant by always. I think he meant sometimes. Occasionally. Okay. Um, uh, I've heard some, uh, curmudgeons that I don't particularly care for comment that indirect amends are for people uh, uh, who are too cowardly to make direct amends. But sometimes the direct amends uh, are, are not possible. And if I'm sincere, then I want to look for a way to make amends. But as Roy says, that should never take the place of direct amends wherever such are possible. And the ninth step is very clear that we make direct amends wherever possible, not wherever convenient, comfortable, uh, etc. I wasn't thrilled with that uh, when, I, when I started this process. I'm talking about starting at step one. Uh, I remember I, I was really concerned when I uh, started, making, started making my first step inventory and going through the rest of it. And uh, Rick said, said, well, what is it you're so afraid of? I said, Rick, I'm just not wild about the prospect of making amends. And he said, don't worry, you don't have to make the, these amends. You aren't going to have to make these amends uh, to these people. And uh, I thought, wow, that doesn't sound like Rick, but I'm going to take it. And then he dropped the hammer. He said, by the time you get to step nine, you're not going to be the same person. Because I'm not going to let the man you are today go out and make amends to anyone. <laughs> Says you'll only cause more harm if you do. So remember that step nine follows step eight, and you've got seven steps to get through before we even get close to that. And so that's my sponsor. Um, and uh, um, I'm going to propose something that I, I I learned and it goes very close to what um, what uh, uh, Brad just shared um, but uh, uh, I've, I've been taught I have learned from a lot of uh, uh, different people in recovery and I actually have four questions that I work with on an amends or not four questions but four things four parts of amends. the first is I list the harms that I know I've done Okay, these are the ways I know I've harmed you. And then I ask the first question. Are there any additional harms I've done that I failed to mention? It can be something as simple as, did I leave anything out? Okay? And then the instruction for that is, shut up and listen. Okay? If the person is telling me about harms I did that I know I wasn't even in the country when these things happened, I do not argue. Okay, if the person is having uh, faulty memory, it's probably because I messed with their mind enough that I'm at least partly responsible for their confusion. The next question is, uh, would you like to tell me uh, how these uh, things made you feel? And the same instruction is shut up and listen. I do not debate. I do not argue. This can be real uncomfortable. Because you may open the opportunity for someone to let years of poisonous resentment and rage come out. Uh, uh, and by the way, I did uh, 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 
direct amends with a woman who was divorcing me. Uh, we were in the midst of a divorce at the time I made my amends. Um, uh, and that was not comfortable, but boy, I'm glad I did it. And then number four is, uh, what can I do to make things right? Which gets back to what uh, Brad just said. Um, by preparing these amends uh, appropriately under the direction of the sponsor, I am able to make a high quality of amends. And uh, I do not mean this as a, uh, as a sarcastic or, or facetious comment. I, I am sincere about this. The amends that I made to the woman who divorced me 20-something years ago were a good set of amends, and I'm really grateful that I made those amends the way that my sponsor and uh, talk showed me to do. And when I did this, I had stuff written down, and I went and made sure that I got every item on the list. Then I listened to her, and then I asked the question about uh, making things right. And that it becomes really important as I go forward because she and I still have a son. We now have a grandson. And I, 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 I am not going, it's not practical for me to cut that woman out of my life. She's still an active alcoholic. The fact that I have made my amends means that I am free from her insanity. Okay? Uh, and remember the promises that follow this step nine is we're going to new, know a new happiness and a new freedom. These aren't just nice words that Bill came up with. This is the experience of the people who wrote the book, and it became my experience when I took the action. On pages 76 through 82 of the big book, there are, uh, there are descriptions of various type of amends, which I think cover a very wide range. Uh, it tells you what to do with friends and business associates you've harmed. It tells you what to do uh, uh, with people with whom you're still in conflict. Um, it tells you what to do um, um, with uh, uh, if you committed a criminal offense. It tells you what to do with uh, uh, spouses, former spouses, uh, uh, and so forth. So, so. There's a lot of good information in that. Uh, there's a line in there that says some people cannot be seen. We write them an honest letter. Brad talked about an honest letter to someone who couldn't be seen. Um, both of my parents and, 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 and all of my grandparents uh, were dead long before uh, I got into recovery. Uh, fortunately, uh, 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 the, 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 my, my, my mother's parents, who were the, the grandparents that were alive when I was a child, and my parents are all buried in the same plot of the same cemetery here in Nashville. And so uh, when I got ready to make amends, um, and, uh, I wrote out the letter, because they can't be seen, but I can write them an honest letter. And I was going to go out to the cemetery uh, to read the uh, uh, to read the, uh, the the letters, and I asked uh, uh, Rick if he would drive me out there. And he said, "Why would I do that?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be pretty emotional uh, after this, and uh, I, I just thought maybe it'd be good if uh, I had someone to drive me, so that I'm not driving when I'm emotionally upset." <laughs> He says, um, said, uh, 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 so you're thinking that after you've made the amends, you're going you're gonna to be crying. I said, well, yeah, I think it's a pretty good chance. He says, do you think you're going to be the only person in that cemetery who's sitting by a graveside crying? <laughs> I said, no, I guess not. He said, listen, pal, I'll do anything I can to support your recovery. But I'm not going to rescue you from some uncomfortable feelings that you need to feel and get out. You take as long as you need at the cemetery before you drive home. 
See, he saw I was looking for him to rescue me from the uncomfortable feelings. I knew he couldn't go with me to to uh, to to my to to make the amends to my now former wife, but I'm still looking for an easier, softer way, and I'm already at step nine. <laughs> uh, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Uh, another uh, uh, comment I want to offer. Um, uh, uh, that I learned from uh, Brad's sponsor, and uh, that has to do with the concept of living amends. And uh, I, 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 I've, I've known Scott for a number of years, and uh, uh, he shared that once upon a time he was talking about living amends that he was making with his uh, children, and the person, uh, somebody, one of the other men in recovery. Uh, uh, confronted him and, and asked him if he ever actually sat down and made a direct amends with his children. And he said, yes, I did. And so the, the fellow asked Scott, are you sure that what you're doing currently with your uh, children and your wife, saying please, saying thank you, being blamed is that really a living amends, or is that simply practicing the principles in all your fears? Okay? And I'm, I'm not sure that the semantics of what you call it is so critical. That's not, that's not what I'm here to debate. What I want to offer you is the conception that after you've sat down and made the direct amends, and you've, you've, you've cleaned up the mess, then you get to have a relationship with the person uh, based on the principles of this program. And we can call that living amends. We can call it practicing principle. I don't care that. But what I'm saying is that until you make the amends, you can't just suddenly go all spiritual on them and act like whatever you did never happened. Because then you're trying to build something on the basis of a lie, and I've just never found that to be effective. It didn't work when I was in active addiction, and I'm just not willing to really give it. Uh, I've tried it a couple of times in recovery, uh, but 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 when I realize what I'm doing, or when my sponsor realizes what I'm doing, we we tend to say this is not going to work, and we we move forward. Um. So, uh, uh those are those are just. Uh, uh, some some comments that that I have have to offer uh, on that. Um, I also want to uh, uh, offer some thoughts that that I've heard from others, uh, and and I actually uh, it's been important for me. Uh, I'm, I alluded to my former wife. We have a son and a grandson in common, and she's still in active alcoholism. Um, when my son got married some years ago, um, as you can imagine, uh, people flew in from the wedding that we won't normally see, and some of those people had been her friends as well as my friends. And so my son got married on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and Sunday a lot of our the, the friends who had uh, flown in from out of town were going to come by our house for brunch before they went back to the airport. Um, I invited my former wife. With, first, I spoke to my current wife, and then I invited my former wife to come join us at our home so that she could be with, with people who had been our friends when we were married. That's freedom. Okay? Now, she's still an active alcoholic. We've just been through the holidays. Do you think I invited over for Thanksgiving dinner? No. Christmas dinner, etc. No, I don't. I see. I'm not carrying this load of guilt where I have to. I have to keep acting out certain uh, dysfunctional behaviors because I'm driven by by guilt. But I I I do have the freedom to take whatever action. I have made amends to people, especially business people who I consider to be unethical, maybe even criminal. And uh, because they're in the same uh, 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 line of work as I, I will. Uh, I, I have the danger, or whatever you want to call it, of running into them uh, at professional events. And this has happened on more than one occasion. Now, 
when I see them at the professional event, I do not have to look for the side door so that I can slip out without having to speak with them. I can say, hello, how are you doing? And, uh, um, and, and be cordial. But that doesn't mean that when it comes time for, for the lunch break that I have to go sit down at the table with them. Okay? This program is about freedom. Okay? Um, you know the line in the, uh, the, the, the white book from the problem. First addicts, then love cripples. Okay? I did not come into SA so that a bunch of love cripples could teach me how to walk with the SA limp. Okay? I actually, I, I didn't come in here for good reasons, but what I finally decided was that if this program cannot offer me freedom. If I can't have the freedom to stop being a love cripple and taking from others and have the freedom to offer love and receive love, then I'm out of here. Okay? The truth, though, is that everything that I want from this program is offered to me but it's offered to me in a measure that I could never imagine. So if you're holding off on taking your meds, then you're, 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 you don't get those promises on page 83 and 84 until you start doing your amends. Okay? So if you want the promises, you've got to take the action. Um, but when you take the action, the promises are likely to come true to a degree that you cannot even imagine when you start the process. So uh, I'm going to stop at that point. Uh, I see we've had a couple of questions brought up here, and if we can uh, start taking those. And I think we've got, uh, got one from a, uh, 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 a person uh, at a remote location. Uh, uh, thanks for sharing. I am currently working with indirect amends list for women I have acted out with. Could you share a bit more about indirect amends? And I'm going to jump on that first and, and suggest that. Uh, the, uh, there is a suggestion in the white book on precisely how we can do that. Um, uh, here in Nashville, we have a particular um, nonprofit organization uh, that works with women in this uh, sex trade and help them get out of it. And if you're going to be around here for a week, the name of the uh, outfit is Thistle Farms. They have a cafe in West Nashville. And if you feel that there's any indirect amends that you owe, go give some of your money from uh, to Thistle Farms and get a really good meal out of the deal. Okay? That's one way that you can do it. Okay? You can give some of your time to some of these uh, nonprofits, not just your money. Uh, that's that. That's a way that I have have done it. And Roy talks about something we should not underestimate, and that is praying. When you're driving down the street and you see someone who's clearly a sex uh, worker, you can pray for that person. We have a tendency to say, "Well, I guess all we can do is pray for them." You tell me what's what is more powerful than prayer. I bet everybody in here is here because somebody prayed for them. So when, you, when you're saying, all I can do is pray for them, that doesn't mean it's an empty gesture. Prayer's powerful. It may not work out the way that you think it should, but it's powerful. And Roy suggests that. So that's where I'm going to stop uh, on that particular question. Thanks, Bill. Um, wow, these are some pretty powerful questions, and I'm thinking we should take the, uh, the hardest ones first. Sure. Um, one thing that I've learned over the years, there's no such thing as essay light. <laughs> you know, we come in here with some heavy stuff, and here's a couple of those questions, and we may or may not have answers. How to make amends to your own child or family member that you sexually abused. 
how do I make amends to a sibling I was inappropriate with when we were both at a young age, 45 years ago? I have a reason to believe that she doesn't remember. We've always been close, so how do I make amends with her without messing things up for her and between us? You know, this is where we get together as fellowship, as working with sponsors, prayerful consideration of the right steps. Scott used to tell me, he said, Brad, you don't want to make amends for the way you made an amends. Some of this stuff is just the nature of our illness. Some of this stuff requires direct action, I would say. I think for me to think that I know the answer to a question like this on a piece of paper this afternoon is be presumptuous on my part. I know that I've been in situations where I've had to address some of these issues. There are legal questions to be raised and answered. There are times when it's best just to leave it. I'm going to, I'm going to stop there. That's, that's all I got. Uh, okay. First of all, I do have uh, personal experience with this uh, relative to uh, my sister. Uh, and, and I'm not going to get into all the details. The good news is we're both in uh, in recovery, and we have exchanged amends. Um, but uh, uh, I've, I've I've done this. Uh, I've walked through this with a, a, a number of people. Um, uh, and and uh, the first thing I think is to get um, to get counsel from experts. What is the age of the person? What's the current age of the person? What's the circumstances? And, and work through this. And I'm talking about talk with, with, uh, uh, counselors who, who, who work with, uh, survivors of childhood trauma. Um, and, uh, that means you're going to have to spend some money. And, uh, I don't want to hear any whining because you always had the money you needed to act out. And you're going to find the money you need to make amends. Uh, that's just the reality if you're willing. And if you're not willing, I can't help you. Uh, what I, uh, 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 in a general way, uh, uh, the approach is, uh, 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 um, when you, uh, when, when we were younger, when you were younger, whatever, however you do it, uh, uh, my behavior towards you uh, was uh, was not appropriate. I did not treat you with the respect uh, that, that you deserve, and uh, and uh, I, uh, I I was wrong. Is there anything else you want to tell me about? Because this is where you're going to find out if the person wants to discuss the trauma directly. Because if the person to whom you're making amends recalls what happened and wants to discuss it, it is their option to bring it up right now. If they choose not to do it at that moment, it is not your right to force them to re-experience the trauma that they may not be consciously aware of at the moment. But you've opened the door. And... uh and 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 if you continue then to move forward as we're talking about of 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 the relationship based on the principles whether you want to call it living amends or whatever then there may be an opportunity in the future for healing but there's a there's a line in the big book i don't get to to lighten my load by making someone else's burden heavier Thank you, Bill. Here's a couple more questions. I think I'll just read them all together. Okay. When asking what can I do to make things right, would it be good to clear that 
with the person that they can think about it and we can meet another time to discuss. What are some other examples of living amends, direct and indirect, of your experience? If after many years and and steps, there are certain people I've never made amends to, I don't have a specific major harm to amend for, but something doesn't feel right or done. What are your thoughts on that one? So those are the other three questions we have. Okay, I want to take the uh, uh, the the one um, about uh, uh, meeting in the future to, to discuss. Uh, with some people, that might might be might not be unreasonable, but but in uh, for a lot of the folks with whom a lot of the folks with whom I associated in active addiction, especially the ones that continue in active addiction. I want to get this amends done, and I want to close this this chapter on uh, uh, the the page on this with 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 a couple of caveats. One of them uh, is uh, that that uh, I've told them that I'm in recovery, and, and uh, I've asked them what I can do to make it right, and I haven't put a time limit on it. So if that person wants to call me, and this happened uh, to me. I'm going to say 12 years later, but it could have been 16 years later. It was a long time later. You know, when when uh, the last time we talked, I, I told you I thought that AA uh, business is uh, a bunch of crap. But the doctor said, if I don't stop drinking, I'm going to die. Can you uh, tell me a little more about AA? Okay. That was the result of me making an amends. Uh, but... If I had never heard from that person again, my side of the street was clean. So, so uh, for some people where I have an ongoing relationship, like my former wife, I, I may hear I may hear more from her. But for some, for some of these folks, once the amends are done, uh, unless God has another plan, I'm okay that this relationship has has been brought to closure. On spiritually acceptable terms. Very important to remember that we're not doing these things to get ourselves in a situation of being beat up, or or we're not going out to what is it, cow cower to cower, you know, to of these folks. We're we're standing spiritually on our own two feet, maybe for the first time, to make things right. Um, one day I was in a, a, a home hardware store and I looked down the aisle and there was a psychiatrist or, or psychologist that we had taken our son to see years before because our son was having problems in school. Well, one of the questions the psychi- psychologist asked us was, is there anything going on at home between the two of you? No, 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 absolutely not. Well, running down the aisle, you know, to, to make the amends in the, in the hardware store may not have been appropriate, but what was appropriate for me was to write that fellow a letter and say, we lied, I lied to you. There was a lot going on, and here's what it was. I don't know if it helped him, but it helped me. Um, Scott told me one time, he said, Brad, it sounds to me like you're, you're, uh, Working the promises and hoping the steps will come true. <laughs> and that's not how it works. But I wanted to say one other thing about the promises, is if it's okay, is I knew when I was halfway through with my amends list. You know, because the book says when we're halfway through, before we're halfway through, all these promises are going to happen. So when I got halfway through with my list... I went straight to the promises, and I started reading them. You know, we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We'll not regret the past or wish to shut the door on. Well, that's not happening. Uh, no matter how far scale, down the scale we've gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That's not happening. We'll lose interest in selfish things and, get, and gain interest in our fellow self-seeking. None of that was happening. And it was because... Up until that moment, the whole deal was an ego proposition on my part. It was all about 
me getting this happening in my life. Because all of the good, great things I was doing. As I got to the end of the paragraph, we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that's exactly what happened. I suddenly, oh, oh, this is God doing for me. Self-seeking will slip away because God is doing something for me I can't do for myself. I will, I will know a new, I'll comprehend the word serenity and know peace because God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. So it was, it was stripping away of my ego and, and a, and a awakening to, you know, who was really doing the work here? You know, uh, there's a line in the book that says, God had the thought and, and, or we get a new attitude towards alcohol, lust, through no thought or effort on our part. That's in the step 10 section. And that always offended me because I thought about all the work I had done. And and so I'm looking at that and I'm going, wait a minute, I've done a lot of work. i put a lot of thought into this. God had the thought. God had the idea long before I ever even showed up. So it was a it was a rearranging, a re a, a, a transformation of my attitude. Thank you. Um, this last one uh, is is what about after doing a, a a lot of step work and I don't have a specific major harm to make amend for, but something doesn't feel right. Uh, uh, the answer for that, I think, is, uh, at least for me, is uh, uh, continued personal uh, uh, self-assessment, inventory, call it what you want, discussion with other people in recovery, uh, and, and, uh, and continue to look, see, is there, is, is there any uh, harm of which I've not yet been uh, able uh, to become aware uh, but what I will offer is that there are some people with whom the relationship will never re- be right because they are spiritually sick, they are unwilling to do anything about their spiritual malady, and they want me to rejoin them in the cesspool. The answer is no, and uh, and that relationship's never going to be right. Uh, and 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 I have to be willing to let those people be who they are not who I wish they would become. So uh, that, that's my thought on that last one. So uh, let's see. In closing, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. And Brad is going to take us out with the closing prayer. Okay, before we pray... I just want to encourage you guys to practice one good amends. Let's thank the folks who've been doing the live streaming over here in the corner all day. And let's thank Bill for the work that he did in putting on this conference. Okay, let's close with the third step prayer.
I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.